It's a Monday like you've never experienced. Vacations are canceled, school is closed, you might be working remote, or maybe the place where you work is closed. So much going on as the world works to stop the spread of the deadly coronavirus. Well, how can we as parents help our kids understand what's going on? How can we help them get a sense of normalcy and a routine? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Parenting during COVID-19. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is James Shaw, host of Positively Dad, and I'm thankful that you're with us today. You know, I started Positively Dad about a year ago to be a resource to you, to help you grow and get better. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of an eight-year-old second grader. Her name is Naomi. And, uh, well, now she's a homeschooled second grader as we just wait out and and find some sort of end to COVID-19. That may not happen for a while, and our lives have been kind of thrown up in the air, so many changes and things going on, and so what can we do as parents to help out our kids? Well, today we're going to help you with that. We're going to talk to Dr. Rebecca Schrag-Hirschberg. She um, is, is an expert on parenting and, and you know, spent some time with us today to talk about how we as parents can help our kids through COVID-19. Now, this is an episode that we aired live on our Facebook page so that people could watch it and get the information right away. And uh, so we did this, recorded this on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, at the time that we recorded this is when the CDC sent out its latest recommendation, which is, you know, not having groups of 50 or more people together for two months. And so as we're doing this uh, podcast episode, you know, new information's coming out and all sorts of things are happening. And and as like what you're probably experiencing, whenever new information or news is coming out, we all message each other and talk about it. As we talk with Dr. Shrag Hirschberg, you're going to hear her phone go off a lot and we just left it and dealt with it. So if you're listening on earbuds, I want to warn you, it's a little bit loud. And yet I think the value of our conversation is really, really important. So I want to warn you that it's there and yet I think you can get some value out of it. I mean, the bottom line is our world is different. The, the, the Monday you had last week and the Monday you're waking up to today is are not even in the neighborhood of being the same. And the Monday we're waking up to today could be what life looks like for quite some time. So what do we do? Well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Shrag Hirschberg is going to walk us through some things that we as parents can do to help our kids understand what's going on, help them get some sort of new sense of normal, and allow them to kind of move forward and grow. She's also going to talk about how we can take care of ourselves and make sure that things are okay for us too. So let's jump in and have the conversation. Uh, Dr. Shrag Hirschberg, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. It's my pleasure. I feel like we all have to stick together and do whatever we can to help each other out. So I'm happy to be here. Well, you're exactly right. And I, I do want people to know a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about you, your family, where you're from, and then we'll jump in. Sure. So I'm a clinical psychologist and parenting coach. I see clients in the New York area as well as virtually, um, even before all this started. Um, I live in Westchester, New York, which is about a half an hour north of the city. And I have two young sons. Henry is almost six and Zeke is four. And... What else can I tell you? Yeah, I work a lot. I, I wrote a book called The Tantrum Survival Guide. My focus is on young kids in particular, but I certainly work with parents with kids of all ages. 
And, That's awesome. And then the other thing I always say when I'm asked to introduce myself is that the term parenting expert always makes me laugh because there's a thousand percent no such thing, but I will do the best I can. <laughs> well, and this is what you do for a living to help people. And, and what's interesting about what's going on right now is a lot of different people are working to help. And, and so I appreciate you taking time to, to just join us. I, as, as the listeners of the podcast know, I have an eight-year-old and you know she's been talking about corona for a while they aren't really talking about it at school except she's heard about it at school obviously and um and so just you know there's it's it's massively different and so the question is what what can we do so i wanted to go through because you kind of have a i love what you said a bullet point of what we as parents can do and so i thought we could roll through that and and kind of chat about it the first thing you said was first of all we've got to be the adults here we've got to be grown-ups yeah, we've got to be the grown-ups. This is a time in our country, in the world, where it would be nice to be a kid and have somebody else taking care of us, but we are now those people taking care of our kids. And it's up to us to start the conversations because parents often say, well, my little one hasn't brought it up yet. It's clearly not on her mind, or I don't want to plant a seed. And this seed is planted um, in more ways than one. And your child has heard about this. And again, different places in the country are in a different um, status point. All the schools here are closed. It sounds like perhaps your schools down there are not. No, we're closed, yeah. We're closed, okay. So yeah. now, you know, it, it's very clear that kids have heard about it, kids get it. And it's up to us to continue to talk about it because when we don't talk about it, what happens is that kids sense something's going on. They sense something is very different, perhaps very worrisome. They hear grownups whispering, they hear, um, they see grownups a lot more distracted, let's say on their phones or more irritable and their imaginations run wild. And even though this virus is terrifying, little kids' minds make things even more terrifying. Um, and so it's important that we really clarify and are proactive in how we talk about this stuff with our kids rather than letting them kind of guide the narrative. Well, and, and you, I love you said, we don't have to go in massive detail, just let them know things are different, our life's gonna be a little bit different, and yet in the end, we're gonna be okay, right? Yeah, I think, I think I mean, I think probably a little bit more detail than that. I think it's important that we recognize kids have heard the term coronavirus, kids have heard the term COVID-19, and we mention those and we explain them in an age-appropriate way, and we explain how we, how the fact that our lives are different right now is in service of helping, that that's a really active choice that people are making to help other people um, stay healthy and safe, because that also adds to kids wanting to be superheroes, wanting to help, being able to feel control. So I would get into a little more detail than that, but yes, there is absolutely no need to get bogged down in long sentences and big words. I loved in the article that you said, and you just brought it up here, to let your kids know how you're helping. That, you know, in, in, our, in our family, as an example, and I, you know, this is a family decision that each one's make, we've decided that we're staying home and that we're not going out to restaurants and going to the mall and, and, you know, we'll go to the grocery store when necessary and we're going to go for walks and we might go to the park if there's not a lot of people. And for the most part, we're just going to do our part by staying here. And you said, you know, share how you've made that decision and why you've done that as a way to show that you're helping. Could you right. talk more about that? Yeah, I think, again, because I think otherwise the message can be, you know, we're passively sitting around at home feeling helpless and waiting for direction. And even if we sometimes feel that way as the grownups, 
it really helps us when we feel like, no, we have agency in this. And it certainly helps our kids when we communicate that. We are choosing to do what we're being told by really, really caring and smart people, the doctors, the policymakers, they have recommended that everybody stay home and get bored and have to miss their favorite birthday parties and, you know, and it stinks, but we're all doing it together as a way to help. And that kind of balances the message. Also things like if you are going to the grocery store, you know, um, occasionally as we are too, making a point that your kids know that, for example, you're checking in on your elderly neighbors to see what they need. Again, we're all in this together and emphasizing both agency and community are two ways to really improve, I think, all of our moods, but certainly our children's. Yeah. Hey, here's how we can help grandma and grandpa. Here's what we're doing for the neighbor across the street, I think is great. Now, something else you brought up, though, is while everything is different, some things are the same, and it's important that we show them that, right? Yeah, because I think it can start to feel like, oh, my gosh, everything is different. And in fact, if you take a moment and notice, there are many things that aren't different. There are some of the little things that are the same. You know, I still love this purple sweater I'm wearing. We are still having ravioli and meatballs for dinner. We still need to brush our teeth. We still... Um, you know, love getting together for family movie night, whatever the rituals are that you have in your home, whatever, just the daily routines that haven't changed. It's important to point those out so that it doesn't feel to little kids like everything is completely, you know, turned on its head. Right. Some stuff's still the same. You said too another one, and, and I know you, you and I both have young kids, so I love this. Play with them. Just let them play. Mm -hmm. Let them play. Um, there's been a lot going around online, um, you know, this schedule and that schedule for homeschooling and making sure our kids are still enriched. And again, by all means, this is a personal decision for many families and depends a lot on where kids are in their schooling. Um, but certainly for young kids, play is how they deal with things. Kids deal with difficult emotional events or stressful times through play. And so what kids are going to do most likely is start playing about coronavirus and parents are frequently tempted to shut that kind of thing down like oh no we're not going to play like your stuffed animals have coronavirus that's a little dark i think let's pretend they're all going to a birthday party mm. <laughs> it really wants to play you know the stuffed animals have coronavirus and that's a chance for you as a grown-up to witness what are they thinking about? How do they think this works? Does it, does it, you know, so my son and the way I started the article, my six-year-old the other day came downstairs with his baby doll and said, my baby has coronavirus. And I said, oh, okay, well, so what, what, what are we going to do about that? And he took the baby doll and he spiked it to the ground as hard as he could. Luckily, it's just a rubber doll. And he said, that's what I'm going to do to it. And then I was able to open up a conversation about, wow, you're so mad at coronavirus. Coronavirus has ruined so many things for us. You know, your birthday's coming up. We have to, you know, and it was able, again, it was through play that we were actually able to have a conversation that I don't think we would have otherwise been able to have. What do you think the end result is for something like that? I mean, what kind of message does your son get? How does that help him? What's the value in allowing that to take place? I think, I mean, there's many. I think play allows kids to sort of experiment with different endings. 
Play allows them to express themselves. Um, again, I don't think my son necessarily knew how angry he was at coronavirus. He just knew he felt like slamming that doll to the ground. And so it's an opportunity for me to help put words to his feelings, for me to know that this is something I need to check in with him about now. Um, and for him to know that it's a safe space right now in our home where we are going to be for a very long time. It should do whatever comes to mind in an imaginative way for him and that it won't be shut down. I have noticed that in the last few days, my use of this device has probably multiplied by five or 10. That I am scrolling on it more. I'm, getting, I'm wanting to get updates and figure out what's going on. Naomi today, this is my eight-year-old, actually, we're, we're, having, we're calling it 14 Days of Disney. So in the evening, we're going to watch a different Disney movie. Every evening is kind of a wrap-up. And she said, and no phones. Yeah. And you brought this up in your piece as well. We've got to pay attention right now to, to when we're on the device and then to have time that we're not. Yeah, and I think it's being clear about it is the most important thing. I think where we do our kids and each other, frankly, and there's been a lot of research about that, a disservice is when we are kind of half in, half out. Like, oh yeah, I'm talking to you and I'm listening to your newest knock knock joke but mm -hmm, yeah no and I, I wait what so, you know and you're sort of on your phone but also trying to engage with your kid and that's confusing and it's it's not none of us like that it doesn't feel like the person we're with is actually tuning into what we need and present with us and so at the same time it's important to acknowledge to our kids in a transparent way I'm going to be on my phone a little bit more than usual because this stupid virus we keep, talk, we keep talking about, a lot of things are happening with it. And it's important for grown-ups to stay up to date. And so I'm going to be on my phone a little bit more than I might usually be. I might be checking in on grandma and grandpa, whatever else. Um, but I promise that there's going to be times that I put it on a shelf and I say, no more phone and I'm going to just be with you. And I promise that I'm also going to tell you when I'm not going to be with you because I need to be on my phone. And I think being clear about that, I want to play with you or I want to watch Disney night number four, whatever it is. And so phone is going up on the shelf and then it might start dinging a million times like mine just did. And then you might say, I know I made that rule, but it sounds like there's a lot going on. And so for five minutes, I'm going to be on my phone and just mm. letting our kids know what our decision tree looks like in that regard. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I think a big concern some parents have right now is what's the day going to look like? Um, especially if you've, I mean, you, you, lots of families just have a routine. This is what we do every day. And that's kind of getting thrown away. And so we're setting up a new one. And that's really important probably that we set up some type of routine. Yeah, I think kids thrive on structure and predictability. And right now, and we all do, you know, we all get nervous as we all are right now that there's so much unknown and that all of these structures and routines that we're all used to have gone out the window for the time being. So if we can impose a new structure on our day. So I love the, what you just said about 14 nights of Disney. Like that's, that's a routine, that's a structure. That's every night we're going to do the same thing. Um, coming up with new rituals, new structures, new routines for the day is really important. And to the extent that that's something you can map out and maybe make a big calendar. And if your kids are too young to read, put pictures, um, that'll be really, really useful. A caveat, however, um, a, a friend of mine and a, and a parenting expert as well today posted something about how when she was little, 
and like me, she was born in the 70s. She, there were times that she watched seven hours of TV at a time. Um, and so, um, and she's fine and she's good, you know? And so it's also okay while we're trying to build up the structure. I know you're making that face because I can't get it to stop. Um, it's a sign of the times though, right? We have to it be is. flexible. Yep, we, we do. We have to take deep breaths. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but I think the idea is that if there's a day that for whatever reason we have a work obligation, we're just sick of our kids, we're exhausted, whatever it is, and it's like a triple feature, and we're just gonna watch movies all day long, that's okay. We're not mm. gonna do this perfectly. We have to forgive ourselves for sometimes having days like that, yeah. for having this text thing going nonstop, which makes me wanna check on what's going on with the coronavirus because we're we're modeling in real time what this can we be are. like. We <laughs> are. Well, I think the big news now is that the CDC uh, released a statement that said that they're going to recommend um, uh, no groups of 50 or more for eight weeks. So that's the new recommendation. So I think a lot of people are going crazy about that. And so who knows what's going to happen there, right? So we'll just have to wait and see. I have to chime in as you already did that I think people should not be getting together with, you know, four people, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. And, 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 you know, I said, and, and we can take the bunny trail for a second, you know, it, it took us a while to figure that out. And, and I mean, really for us, it was a last night into this morning realization that, Hey, we've got to make a change. And, and I think more people are coming around to that. And up in New York, you guys have a lot going on up there. It's been a little bit less in Florida, although our cases are beginning to get into the spot where they're doubling daily. And so we've got to pay attention and do our part. Yeah. And, and that's going to, by the way, lead to issues. This is spring break week for us. We're supposed to be actually in New York today and then leaving for London tomorrow and uh, spending a week in London before we come home. And, and, you know, we mentioned to Naomi, we said, hey, honey, we're we're probably not gonna go to London. And, and so then we kind of looked at some other options and, and we canceled that. And then we looked at a more local option and then we said, no, we're not gonna do that either. And I, I think, I don't know, a lot of kids are probably like her. I think for us, we're blessed when we said, hey, we're not gonna go. She said, it's okay, we'll find something fun to do at home. And I bet a lot of kids are like that and we're the ones who get antsy. And yet plans are changing. I'm 90 minutes from Magic Kingdom, it's closed. Mm -hmm. And I love you said, look, uh, they're going to be upset if the trip was supposed to go to Disney World for the week. You know, we cannot sell that the park down the street is Disney World. And so we've got to be able to just let them be disappointed. Exactly. Let them be disappointed. And then you can do sort of, I, I talked about some gentle reframing about sort of like, look, you know, you're right. It really stinks that we're not going to London, but we're going to have some increased screen time and learn a lot about London, you know, or watch Mary Poppins or whatever it is. Um, you know, you can, you can sort of spin things in a positive way, but right, without negating the disappointed feelings that are there. And similarly, it's interesting when you mentioned Naomi, and I obviously don't know your daughter, but I think it's also important to model for our children our feelings so that, so that they take their cues from us. Kids may feel, depending on their personalities and tendencies, like, like, no, I'm going to be the perfect kid and keep my feelings in. Mom and dad are clearly anxious. I'm not, you know, we can say, you know, we're not going to London anymore. We're not going to Disney World. Here's the reason why. And I'm so bummed. <laughs> I'm so bummed. I know it's the right decision. I think we're all going to end up having a lot of fun. But I was really looking forward to going to London. 
We have a new ritual in my house that whenever we talk about something that's canceled or closed, and my kids will probably stop doing this soon because they'll know, but up until recently, they've said, why, you know, why? No, we can't go to our favorite restaurant. Why? And I've started to say, say it with me, guys. And they look at me and they say, stupid virus. Oh, yeah. We'll sort of say that together. And it's a way of joining over what a bummer this is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Right. They're going to have questions too. You talk a lot about that in the article and we're going to link the article on our Facebook page so people can read it. Um, And yet you talk a lot about that. They're going to have a lot of questions. I think that, you know, you said answer them and it's also okay to tell them you aren't sure. Yes. Tell them you don't know the answer. um, Especially if it's something like about the virus that there's so many things we don't know and they may have very good questions. Like, well, how come you can have it and not show symptoms depending on the age of your child? Or is grandma going to get it, which no one can know. And so we need to answer our questions, excuse me, to answer their questions when we can um, in short ways. It's also okay to say, you know, I don't know how to answer that question right now. I need to think about it. Or I'm going to check in um, with a friend. It's also okay to say, you know, this conversation is making me feel really worried. Let's go over to the couch and sit together and take a few deep breaths, you know, and and sort of model that. The other thing to keep in mind, which is in the article as well, is that when kids ask the same question or similar questions over and over again, a lot of times that's part of what's called reassurance seeking, um, which is an anxiety behavior. So is grandma going to get it? And then 10 minutes later, but wait, is grandma going to get it? Or how do we know if grandma's going to get it? Or that sort of thing. And rather than try to answer that question, which is an impossible question to answer, it can be really powerful to say and effective to say, you know what, that's the third time you've asked that question. I think you're worried about grandma. And I get that. The problem is that when we're worried, our brain fools us into thinking that we just need to have the same question answered again and again but that ends up not being helpful. What is helpful is for me to answer your question and then for us to do some things that'll make you feel less worried, like jumping up and down, deep breathing. When kids get really worried, it can be very effective to set a couple times of day to ask questions, you know, to say, you have so many questions about the virus and I wanna answer them, but I don't wanna give in to worry. I don't want, you know, my worry is trying to tell you that if we talked about this all day long, you feel better. But we know worry is wrong about that. (laughs) And so, and you can, there's some wonderful resources online and people can reach out to me if they're interested, but with descriptions of why worry exists, that it's like an alarm system that's being overprotective. Um, But the idea is if you limit some of those questions, like we're gonna have a question about the virus from 9.30 to 10 and then 2.30 to 3 and then 6 to 6.30, mm-hmm. it actually can be really helpful in kind of reining in some of those big feelings that can be overwhelming for our kids. That's fantastic. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about as we wrap up is we gotta take care of us too. And um, you know, make sure we're checking in with how we're feeling. You could be worried about your job. You could be worried about the financial situation, maybe on a small business and you're worried about what's going to happen there. If the government says you got to close restaurants like they're doing in some places, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You might need professional support. You got to take care of you too. So would you touch on that a little bit, please? Yeah. I mean, I think 
we, it's the whole airplane, you know, put your mask on yourself first metaphor that's always so valid because what happens is if we're not taking care of ourselves and we're feeling very, very anxious and we try to project calm to our kids, they can see right through it. And it's really confusing to them. It's much more confusing than if you say to them, as I said before, I'm feeling really worried today. And so I need to just spend a little time taking care of myself. That's really calming to them. It's you knowing how you're feeling and you taking action to deal with it versus, no, it's okay. Everything's great. No, what do you want for lunch? Do you want bologna? Do you want peanut butter and jelly? And you're talking about something mundane, but your affect and your anxiety is clearly in your tone of voice and in your energy, which kids again, really pick up on. Yeah, they can tell. Exactly. And so we have to do what we need to to stay calm. Um, getting into our bodies is really helpful. So just making sure even if we're not normal exercisers that we figure out how to do that. And that can mean just stretching. That can mean just jumping up and down. The New York Times um, online had like a five minute workout the other day. It's a great thing to do during this time. Um, that can mean talking to our supports and letting all our worry out to our supports. But I think when it comes to our kids and some of the conversations that we're talking about having with them, making sure that just at that moment, we're having a calm moment mm -hmm. because worry comes and goes. And so even if we are feeling very worried about all the things you mentioned, we're not feeling that level of worry all the time. And given that we need to interact with our kids in particular around these topics, not when those things are at their peak. I love it. All right. What's the final message that you want our listeners to hear as they tomorrow morning wake up and it's a brand new Monday. It's a Monday like we have never experienced before. Right. And um, so what would you tell them? Well, first I would tell them that I can be a resource. <laughs> and that my website is littlehousecalls.com. And, and I say that joking, but also I do one-off consultations and I've had a lot of people recently say, can we just talk for an hour about my family, my changed routines, the particular ages and developmental stages of my kids. Um, and I'm happy to do that. So that's the first thing. But I think on a, on a more, um, on a broader level, the message is that we, we do have control right now in how we talk to ourselves and how we talk to our kids and self-talk and language around this and reframing this and focusing on all we can do as a society is incredibly important for our mental health. Um, and also, please, please, please to be gentle on yourselves. You're going to snap at your kids. You're going to not realize that the reason your child peed in his bed is because he's just picking up on this tense atmosphere and so you're going to get frustrated and then feel terrible about it and you're gonna have them watch frozen and then frozen two and then feel like oh i could have taken them outside it's just be gentle with yourself we're all doing the best that we can in a brand new situation i am being gentle with myself about that really stupid noise it doesn't matter look getting the information out is way more important than turning off the ding okay so if we can okay. handle that that's it. That's right. Hey, you've been amazing. And I thank you for doing this. We've been coordinating all day to have you on and you did it last minute at a time that's hectic for people and you've added so much value to them. You gave your website. I also though want you to tell them where they can find you. I know you're on Facebook and Instagram. So yes. would you share that as well for me? Yes. So the name of my practice is Little House Calls. And so it's at Little House Calls, all one word on both Facebook and Instagram. 
really easy to find and great stuff. And then tell them about the book uh, that you wrote as well. I'd love for you wrote a book. I want you to promote it because you gave Thank us 35 you. minutes of your time and you're, and you're not cheap. You got to be expensive. So I want, <laughs> I want to let you promote the book too. Thank you. You didn't mention that I like made myself look professional when I was running around in my, you know, sweatpants is, is my other big sacrifice in this moment. But um, the book is called The Tantrum Survival Guide. Tune into your toddler's mind and your own to calm the craziness and make family fun again. And it's by Guilford Press. And it is a really um, practical guide to handling young kids, how to think about their behavior um, that's hard for you to manage, how to think about your own behavior, practical tips for dealing with that behavior. And I have heard that it is um, an easy read and kind of a fun read as well. It's also on Audible um, if people are more into listening to books than reading these days. Well, they're going to have some time to read. So maybe that's one to pick up. And then when we transition back into a more traditional life, let's have you back on and do an episode on that sometime as well. I love that I would, that love would be great. So much. I'm, I'm thrilled to have been asked to do this. It means well, I thank you for doing it and thank you for adding so much value and, uh, and, and just, you know what, have fun with your family up there and we will survive this, right? We will. Absolutely. We're going to get through it. There's going to be another side. You got it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on. Pleasure. Thank you. Have a good night. Such valuable information. I trust it helped you. That's the goal. You know, we've got different times ahead and so maybe that's going to help you out as you move forward. All right, well, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every episode on Monday, and that is uh, with a visit to the Kids' Corner. That's where Naomi, our second grader, our eight-year-old, talks about whatever's on her mind. And just like everybody else, coronavirus is on her mind. So that's what she's going to talk with you about today in the Kids' Corner. Ever wonder what's on the mind of your children? Let's find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today I will be talking about my thoughts of the coronavirus. So, as many people, you are thinking about, like, the coronavirus, you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, but I'm just, like, calm, I feel like there's no such thing as a new virus, and I just want to give you um, some advice. Don't really just worry about it and just try to clear it out your mind. Try to not think about it at night, otherwise you'll have nightmares about it. And I just want to say, don't think of the coronavirus because it'll be gone pretty soon. That's it for Naomi's Corner. Have a great day. Bye. Wow. I want to be eight. I want to be eight because she thinks it's not a big deal and that it's just going to go away. Parents, let's help them through this. Let's not get anxious in front of them. Let's do that behind the doors so that the response you get from your eight-year-old is that. That they go, you know what, I'm just not going to think about it. There's so many other things that I can think about. And if we can keep their mind off of it and just give them some sort of life, then eventually one day we will wake up and it won't be like this anymore. My goal is to help you do that today. I hope we did. I hope that this conversation helped you. There's so much uncertainty going on. I'm nervous just like anybody else is. And, and if we listen to what the officials are telling us, if we follow the recommendations of the CDC, if we pay attention, then we can do our part to help make this thing go away. And then we can have life back to normal again. Life isn't normal anymore. Can't act like it is. 
Let's make decisions that, that sacrifice now so that we can have it back to normal again and that we'll think just like Naomi, that it's no big deal to go away. Hey, if you like this podcast, if it helped you, would you share it with somebody? You can, you can just send the link right to them. And then if you would rate, rate us, subscribe, and review, we would appreciate that as well. Um, my goal is just to help you. That's all I care about. And so I trust we're doing it. I want to hear if we are. Would you connect with us on social media? We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad. And then finally, you know, I'd love to connect with you too. Just send me an email, james at positivelydad.com. And let's, um, let's connect and chat. We're probably going to have some episodes devoted to this for a while because it's the right thing to do. And then we'll get back to normal here real soon. I want to thank you for listening today. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.